Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life. It's really frightening to do it all again after you think you're with this one person forever. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another helpful episode of Dates and Mates. Whether you have been through a bad breakup or not, I think we can all agree that no one gets into a relationship intending to call it quits. Unfortunately, sometimes people just, you know, grow apart and get to the point where the best thing for them to do is to go their separate ways. And it really depends on the situation. But just because you're divorced or just because you've been through a bad breakup, it doesn't mean that your love story is over. You're just moving on to your next chapter. And that's why I have best-selling author and relationship coach Jennifer Hurwitz joining me today. She will share her personal experience and outline how to return to dating after divorce or after your relationship ending. But we always kick off the show with the news you can use. Our big headline for today is, Is Sexual Attraction that important to mate selection. Then later in Dear Demona, I will tackle this heartfelt question. My boyfriend is great on paper, but things feel mundane. Am I being too picky, unrealistic, or holding on to an idealized connection that may never materialize? Whew! Lovers, buckle up, because it's time to dish. These dating dish. Our friends at CNN said, here's what you should know if there's no sexual attraction for your partner, according to a therapist. The article begins with a marriage and family therapist named Ian Kerner, and he's describing his experience with clients devaluing sex and picking a partner for a long-term relationship. So why would you pick a potential life partner without feeling, you know, some spark of sexual attraction? Well, Dr. Justin Lee Miller, who's a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute, he says physical attractiveness actually doesn't even top the list for men or women. Traits like intelligence, humor, honesty, and kindness are often at least as important, if not more important, than sexual attraction. Uh, I'm going to just pause right there because I have to just acknowledge that in my work. I, I really do. You know, I try not to get too gendered on this show. And we have a lot of queer listeners and we have non-binary listeners. And so I just want to just shine a light on that. But generally, generally, I do see for my male clients that if they don't have physical attraction at the beginning, it's really hard to work. No pun intended. <laughs> it's hard to uh, work back to a place of attraction through getting to know each other better. But I see actually the opposite being true a lot of times for women. They'll say, eh, I'm not really that into him. Like physically, he's not really my type. But man, I am so, so 
interested or I'm so curious or as I've gotten to know him better, he's become sexier to me. Now, this is a little bit different than what is referenced in this article, saying some men have internalized an either or view of women, those who make great wives and mothers versus those who are sexually adventurous. You know what they say, you want a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. (laughs) But uh, some of the people they interviewed for this article were saying that like once they chose a mate for, you know, someone who's going to be the mother of their kids, they almost couldn't see them as sexualized anymore, which I find it's, it's blowing my mind, honestly. So here's the question. Can sexual attraction make or break a relationship? According to this article, good sex can help protect against psychological distress, including anxiety and depression. Facts. It also helps couples achieve deeper connection and can improve relationship satisfaction. But at its core, couples need to decide how much weight this should be given and if there are other good things going for them. You have to keep in mind your sexual health is also sometimes a barometer of your overall health, right? So if you're having problems in the bedroom, you might your mental health might need to be addressed, your physical health might need to be addressed. So sexual health is really a part of your health overall. But let's say, let's say that's all okay. Everything is physically working fine, but you just lost the spark. I just want to remind you all that sex is not a just a physical act. It's also a mental and emotional act. And so I, you know, I, I, I get these questions where it's like, this is the problem. But I always try to peel back the layers and say like, okay, but what is the real problem? And I think sometimes there's something deeper beneath that. And if you're in a relationship and you, you want more spark, just remember that sex can get better. And I think most asterisk on most sexual issues can be improved by working with a sex therapist. I'm not a sex therapist. Uh, Highly recommend you follow Dr. Emily Morse. She is a sexologist. Uh, Shan Boudram is a sexologist. But there are lots of great sexologists, sex therapists, and folks out there who can help you as long as you're both open and honest about wanting to improve your sex life together. Now for the single people, Hold on, (laughs) because I do want to address something that I'm seeing in dating culture right now that I think is ultimately hurting people. I consider myself a sex positive coach, but I feel that what I'm seeing in the sex positive community around dating sometimes is actually unhealthy. And there's a big difference between I can do what I want to do and experience pleasure without labels, which I'm all for. And I am pursuing pleasure at my own expense and not getting my core needs met because I'm chasing sexual experiences to bolster my self-worth or to mask something else that I don't want to address or to prove to the world that I am X, Y, Z. And I see a lot of people that are that are saying now, and let's put like the sex positive community aside. I see a lot of daters that are like, if I don't feel sexual chemistry right away, forget it. Or if we have sex, like I've got to have sex on the first or second date. And if it's no good, then it's never going to work. And this is bad, folks. This is not this is not good. 
<laughs> this is not good. We have to stop the, I have to have sex with this person early on to see if we are compatible. Wrong thinking, wrong thinking, X out, X out. Sex only gets better when you have the other four pillars of long-term compatibility in place, but especially trust and communication, you know, shared goals, shared values, trust and clear communication, conflict resolution. So how can you truly communicate your needs and your fears and your hopes and all of that important stuff to your sexual health? How can you do that with a partner if you don't yet trust them? And how can you trust somebody if they are ultimately a stranger? You don't know if they're going to hurt you. You don't know what where their head is at because you're probably skipping right ahead to the physical because you don't want to talk about all that other stuff. And look, you can do that. Again, I am all for, I deserve pleasure. I want to experience pleasure without labels. But the challenge comes in when you write into the show saying, I want a serious relationship, but I'm having sex on the first date because I need to find someone with whom I'm sexually compatible, but it's not yielding a long-term relationship for me. So let's slow it all down, folks, and not act on impulse. We, we have to really keep in mind our ultimate goal. And while, yes, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, okay? So you can have sex on the first date. You can have sex early on. But it's not always meaning what you think it's meaning. It's not always a marker of like, oh, we had sex and it was awkward the first time or it wasn't good or he didn't last long or, or you know, she didn't do anything. She didn't tell me what she liked. It's, it can be weird for the first time. And that doesn't mean that you are not compatible overall. But I would love to see more of a commitment to communication and whether you are single or in a relationship, communicating about sex and creating a safe space where you can talk about sex and foster a safe and supported sexual experience. And as someone who has been married for 15 years, I can tell you that when the pillars of trust and communication are your foundation, it actually only gets better with time. When we come back, Jennifer Hurwitz of Doing Relationships Right will be here to talk about how to date the right way after a big breakup. Stick around. Welcome back. Jennifer Hurwitz is a relationship expert and dating coach. She's also a best-selling author, and she has a new book called Midlife Priceless, a dating coach's guide to finally doing relationships right. She's also the host of the fantastic podcast, doing relationships right. Please help me give big smooches to Jennifer Hurwitz. Hi, Demona. Welcome to Dates and Mates. I'm so excited. After knowing you and following you and seeing all the amazing things that you're doing on your podcast for, what, three? We've known each other like three, four years. You're finally here. I'm here. Yay. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. And I'm so glad you have written another book. This is your fourth? My third. Oh, please. It's my this third. This is your third. Yes. Yeah. Look, th hey, that's this is what I'm affirming for you. But your third book, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write this new book. I was sitting with my kids one day and Zach's like, mom, you know, I'm like, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. And he's like, mom, you're good. This is it. You know what? It, you're going to be fine. It's not a midlife crisis. And I'm like, wait a minute, what rhymes with crisis? 
what rhymes with crisis? And he's like, mom, what are you talking about? I'm like, I got a book. I got a book in my head. Like literally that's how it happened. Oh my and God. Um, so now I've got midlife priceless and I'm just like, you know what? Let's go. I think it's a gen 2.0. Gen 2.0. So yeah. I saw in the book you had gen 2.0 and you had gen 1.0. How was gen 1.0 different than this new and improved gen? Gen 1.0 was like, the first book was one happy divorce, hold the bullshit. So that was like all cathartic and, you know, I was getting divorced and going through the whole thing and I was coaching, doing, I was a divorce coach back then and I was really in in the whole, ingrained in the whole divorce thing. And that was more for me. The second book, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, A Divorce Coach's Guide to Staying Married was all about how my divorce taught me how to stay married. Like kind of hindsight of 2020 and like I'm, I really was into like saving marriages. Like I wanted to save everyone's marriage. I'm like, don't get divorced. It sucks because it does. It's really hard. And if I knew then what I know now, I think I would have stayed married. And people get really freaked out by that. And I don't regret getting divorced because it, I wouldn't be where I am now. Sure. It's all part but of I, your story. But I call him my husband. My husband and I were really good friends and we have an amicable divorce, but I'm lucky. You know, it's really hard. I'm curious for you, what do you think is hardest about dating after right. divorce? Um because it's really scary. I don't know why I get so emotional when I talk about it, but it's it's really frightening to do it all again after you think you're with this one person forever. And no one no one thinks you're going to the chuppah or you're going to the altar and you're planning on getting divorced. No one ever thinks that way. Like, oh, this is for the first, you know, I'm going to try and again, like the lease on, lease on a new partner. I just thought I was going to be with this guy the rest of my life and to have to get naked again and to have to like have sex again and have to do it all again. And it's just, it's crazy. I imagine for a lot of my listeners, I, um, I'm, I'm married to my husband and hope to be together forever. <laughs> but you know, like yeah. you never know, you never know. But I do wonder after having two kids, two C sections, oh like I, I was know. like, honey, you're gonna have to pay to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> I imagine that's very that oh, is a big challenge. Scary. Yeah, right to be. Yeah intimate with someone again to be in sort of a different body, you know, an, an older body, a body yeah. that's been through kids maybe, uh, that that must be a big hurdle to even want to be seen. It is. In, a, it is. in that way again. I think that's my client's biggest number one challenge is getting over that, oh, you know what, I can do it. I got this, you know, I've, I've found myself. I cut, you know what? I tell people too, like a lot of coaches, they say, you know, you have to really be one with yourself and you have to find, you have to be the perfect version of yourself. I do not feel that way. I'm like, look at, I'm never going to be the perfect version of myself. If I waited until I was the damn perfect version of myself, I'd be single till the rest of my life. You know, yeah. I feel like you just have to kind of trust who you are and find that confidence and just, just do it. Just take that leap and do it because that is their biggest challenge is, is just being able to like do it again. I, I cried the first time. <laughs> I was so excited to have sex. The first time I sex. I really was so excited. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. I got this. And then I went in the bathroom and I held a towel over my, over my face and I sobbed. I like sobbed. I was oh like, what God. am I doing? Like, what am I doing? You know? Well, it's a very emotional and vulnerable yeah. place to be. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. I was going to say, but then after you cried, like, was it pretty yeah, good? Let's go. I'm like, let's do it again. Thumbs up. Let's go. Here we go, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's just the whole thing, the whole dating after divorce thing is just so different than but, I ever imagined. 
I totally agree with you. And I saw a lot of elements of a, a lot of principles that I also coach people on reflected in your book as well. That, I love that. That makes me happy. Yeah. The idea that that you you'll be ready to date when you are whatever it is. Right. <laughs> Divorce. <laughs> but no <laughs> right. when you when you are ten pounds thinner, when oh, you no. are when you have a complete school, when your mom isn't sick, when the you know, there's like always there's always a life event. And like you said, it's almost better to do it. I say like do it messy. Like yeah, be, I love that. Be your authentic self. And this is all part of it. Now that doesn't mean that you want to like put it all out there on the table the first no. the first date, right? And so when you have history, you have a life, you have a story, you have history. How do you guide people, Jennifer, to reveal information about their past, about, you know, their their relationship history? Uh, without it becoming too much. Yeah. Too I love this question. It's my favorite because I tell people like a Tootsie Roll Pop, you know, like how you have to get to the center and you have to lick it a hundred times, lick it a hundred. I tell people, my clients, let someone earn you. Let them mm -hmm. earn your secrets. Let them earn your deepest, darkest emotions, right? You don't have to spill it all out. You don't have to give everything away in the first date, right? Or the second date or the third date. Get to know someone so that when you do share whatever you want to share, it's accepted with a little bit more. You can be vulnerable. They can be vulnerable. And it's accepted with a little more um, grace. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. on a first date, you're just looking. It's a meet. I call them meets. You know, it's a meet. You go there, you have fun, you're whatever. Maybe you don't have fun. And then you feel like if you told someone everything on the first date and then you don't see them again, oh, like, I wish I never told that person that, right? It's a person walking around knowing like X, Y, or Z. So I'm like, think of a Tootsie Roll Pop, just 100 licks. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of that. And I also find that people get challenged in that moment of mm -hmm. being asked a question that yeah. they don't have an answer to, That's they a great don't point. feel comfortable answering. Why were you divorced? Oh, God, don't you hate that? Mm hmm well, you don't you don't but get the, that question. Where you're married, I, I, got that I got question, it a lot. <laughs> but but I know a lot of my listeners have, yeah. and my feeling, Jennifer, is that you. I agree with you. I think people need to earn the information from you, and I also think we are way too conditioned to just go with the flow, even if it compromises our own feeling oh, God, of so comfort, safety, security. And like all the time I'll hear from people, oh, well, you know, this is this is just how it is today. <laughs> no one does a phone call anymore. So they just go right to the date. No one does a video chat. They just go right to the date. And I have to remind people, no, you oh. choose to go along yes. with that. Yes. You have an opportunity to express a boundary it doesn't matter if that's like what's happening in culture, right? It's like what's going to make you feel most comfortable. So how do you how do you tell people to answer that when they get that kind of question? You know what's so funny is that that used to be me. I'm listening, to going, God, that used to, I used to just do like I would answer the question just because it was easier than putting up a boundary because I was a people mm -hmm. pleaser right back in the day. Like I'm thinking, you know, back before I did the work, one point oh, yeah, one point oh. Mm -hmm. 1.0. I was like, I should have put that in my, yeah, well, you'll read. I was a people pleaser. So like on a date, if a guy said to me, well, why are you divorced? I would just answer him. I'd be like, well, because you know what? I really didn't have any sex and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not his business. It's not his business. Put up a boundary. You're absolutely right. I love that you said that. You're yeah. absolutely spot on. Put up a boundary. You know what? I'm not ready to share right now. 
I'm divorced and I'm here and I'm let's let's talk about sports or what you got going on next weekend or what's your favorite sports would be a very short date with me but there are people like if you're into sports talk about what you're into what's your favorite whatever exactly right you know it's like be interested but be interesting right so Mm -hmm. like come up with something else to kind of divert the conversation I don't think you have to answer I mean why am I divorced why are you divorced right Turn it around. I mean, you can always like with a coy wink and a smile. Yeah, you universe, right? Yeah. Turn any question around. Another thing that we align with is the idea that dating happens in phases. So a lot of times yeah. people will ask me my advice, like, "What's a red flag? What's this?" I know you outline red flags in in the book as well. Like, I don't think there are universal red flags. I agree. Just like I don't think there's universal rules. And I know from reading the book that you agree that. Different people bring different things to the table and have different challenges at different phases in the relationship. So walk us through the four stages to date an acronym. (laughs) Decide, attract, trust, (laughs) evolve. What did those... Did I write that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing a book right now. So decide, attract, trust, Trust and and evolve. Right. And you know what? It was so easy when I was doing something like, I just thought about it. I was like, it's so, it seems so, so silly and so just like, when you think about it, it's true, right? Like you decide who you want to go out with, you decide on your person. You have to see the attraction. You attract or you don't, you're attracted to the person. And then basically you either trust them or you don't. And then you evolve together. I'm making it real simple right now, but yeah. It's I mean, very simple. It's, it's very simple. simple. I, I actually really want to break that down. Because Let's do it. I think even in the decide, people will tell me, oh, I, I, I'm dating. I have a profile. And then I ask, how often are you on it? How many messages are you sending? How many people are you swiping on? And I find that they're not really in it. Like they haven't really decided. The big difference that I see for people, I think, is just the deciding. I'm going to take a program. I'm going to work with Simone. I'm going to work with Jennifer. I'm going to begin this process, I've decided this is something that's important to me right now. Being intentional. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly what you're that's saying. It. And you know, and we agree. Like, it's just being intentional. When my clients say to me, yeah, well, you know what? I'm kind of on and I'm on four different apps and I kind of like want to, so- let's do it. You, you, let's do it. Let's get in there and let's do it and decide. Decide not only about who you're choosing, but decide to choose someone or to date. Let's just make the decision and, and go for it. Right. Yeah, because that's what's happening. A lot of people are on the apps, but and and I know my listeners are encountering this from the other side too. Of yeah. like, why did we match and then they never sent me a message, oh, or that. why did like yeah. we had plans and then they just ghosted? And it's because now dating apps have become more popular, and they're mm-hmm. everybody's there, and there's a lot of noise from all of the different apps and all of the different things drawing our attention. And some people haven't decided Agree. that this is a focus for them. And that's okay. Like, then that's not your person. I look at that, like, rather than rejection, I look at that as a sign that you've done, you've done your due diligence, right? right? And you've ruled that person out because you've decided where you're headed and they have shown you that they're not on the same path. It seems to me that my clients are super, they take it super personally. Maybe because coming out of a divorce, you're hurt, right? Not that mm. you're coming out of a breakup, you're not hurt, but but you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's new. That hurt is new. 
So when you're ghosted or you're, you know, no one writes back or the match doesn't match or you see what I'm saying, they take it really personally. And I did too at the beginning until I realized exactly what you're saying. You can't take it personally, right? Oh, this is getting very interesting because I also think, I think that there is something that happens generationally as well of when you have decided to be on the apps, it's a different medium. And I see a lot of people applying the old rules, the same rules that they used to play by in IRL dating or before we had phones and phones became the primary way that we communicated with people in the lead up to the date. Whether you're meeting online or offline, Mm -hmm. you still have to text. You still are. There's the question of social media. So we are now inextricably linked with our phones and it is has shifted dating culture so i see that that there's like a dissonance that comes up for people that are still dating the way that they used to maybe before they were divorced and so they take that as a rejection rather than take that as i i just i look at it as programming the algorithm really (laughs) and And that it's it's really online dating is a volume business, frankly. And I, every once in a while, I have a client that's like, "This is the first person I met, or the second or third. But that's rare. That's rare. So, yeah, yeah. And the app doesn't have feelings, and the app doesn't. And in a lot of times, people don't even come into the app with an emotionality like they would if you were meeting them IRL or if it was you know, like in my singlehood before I got married, you know, and the rules were just totally different. different. So I I see that as a little bit of a, that is a place where for a lot of divorced daters, they have to shift their mindset around what the rules are for dating. Yeah, you're right. And it it is really, it's super frustrating. And I I hear them like they, you know, and, and I tell them to take a break if they're frustrated and to, you know, it's, it's just hard. I feel for them because I was there, I did it. I online dated first after my, I've been divorced for nine years, but for six, five of them, I was in a long-term relationship. But before that, I did it. It can be hard. Yeah. But I do think our mindset really rules a lot of our experience too. agree. Right. And we have to give ourselves over to, this is a different process and it may, it, it may feel different. It may look different, but ultimately- the end goal is the same. Like we all want human connection. And whether you want to get married again or not, you want to you want to be seen. You want to have someone appreciate you. And we all need companionship. I agree. Talk to me about the T, the trust okay, in, the, yeah. in the four stages. Everyone always gets gets real salty with me on this one because I'll ask you and you can tell me, do you trust until someone gives you a reason not to trust them? Or do you go in not trusting and they have to prove themselves? So I think this is where the dating after divorce thing comes in because sure. a lot of, I'm not say a lot of hate to use generalizations, but people who are coming out of a divorce are, are hurt. They're burned. They may have had been, you know, whatever. Even if they didn't, even if they wanted the divorce, they still have, everyone has baggage coming out of their divorces, right? It's not like you you know, you're right out of college and you're, you know, you're here you go and you trust the world and everybody's, you know, it's, it's, people are jaded. So I think the trust factor here, the T is it takes time, trust in time, 
You know, you have to give yourself time and trust and that goes to the evolve. I got an interesting question from someone in my program who matched with a person who said that they were separated. In different states, legally, you have to be careful. Mm. So I'm in Charlotte. So in North Carolina, if you're separated, unless it's in your separation agreement, you can actually be sued. So let me make this clear. So if we get separated and I'm sleeping with somebody, my ex-husband can actually sue the person I'm sleeping with for something called alienation of affection for a whole lot of money. What? Yes. There's five states in the country that this happens. So technically, you better know where you're living. So make sure that it's in your separation agreement that you can have relations, <laughs> relations sound like a grandma, while you're separated. I think that separated is is a tricky thing because you're walking that line of, are they ever going to go back with their ex? Hmm. I mean, you take that risk, right? Because the divorce papers are not signed. I used to have a rule on this where it was like, if they're not divorced and they're separated, they're not available. However, it's situational because also there are a lot of marriages that have been separated, but it can take... Years. years. It could take a decade if you have a lot of assets and the kids and the da, 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 da. Oh. like there's there's a lot to work out. So I've kind of taken a case by case approach, right? But I did not know about that. Yeah. So like you have to be careful. Just check your check your local uh yeah, check it with your state. Like there's five. It's really stupid crazy. archaic laws. And frankly, if I may say, misogynistic, because obviously that's who well, it's I mean, designed to. Well, no, it can do both. Sure. Do but so let's what, say that who, I, what was it designed still. for? What was the rule exactly. put into place for? Yeah. But the thing is, too, like you have to think about it. Also, a lot of marriages, they're over way before they're divorced sure. or separated, right? So, so people judge like, oh, my God, I can't believe she found a guy so quickly. Well, maybe her marriage was over three years before they got divorced and she's ready to go, you know? Yes. So. I, I want to get to, there's an element in the book, uh, how to date for now. How do you date for now? Dating for now, basically for me, is just saying what you want, using your words, being intentional, and basically dating, I mean, I get pushed back on this, but dating one person at a time. So where everyone's like, no, you need to juggle and you need to have 35 people and they should all be whatever. And I've never been a person that I just don't coach to date more than one person at a time. So I just, I can't do it because I don't feel it. I can't do it. So it's hard for me to coach what I don't. But if someone came to me and they said, I want to date five people and I, I can't settle with one, I'd be like, no judgment. I think it depends on where the, what you classify as dating. Because I have my clients, like for most of them, if they maybe they're divorced or they've been single for a long time, they're not getting any at-bats. And they're like, it's not working for me because they're not even in the mix yet. They're not even starting. So I get it. They're not even Yeah, I try to initially sort of flood the pipeline just so you can remember you're attractive, you're beautiful. It feels good to connect with someone. And then we do start to call it down. Like you couldn't realistically date five people. I'm sure there are people who've done it. No. <laughs> you couldn't date five people, you know, seriously and really be focused on all of them. Right. So we're speaking the same language. So I'm, I, I'll give you an example. So when I met my ex-boyfriend of five years, we went on our fourth date, fourth date, fifth date. And he looked at me across the table and he said, I'm going off the mm -hmm. apps. And I was like, oh, oh my God. 
okay, what, what was I supposed to say? Like, I didn't really even know. And he's like, I like you. I'm just going to date you. And I'm going to see where this goes. For, and he was like, I'm not we, not I want to, not do you want to. He's like, I just want to let you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, how sexy and hot is that? Like, he wants me. He just wants to date me. He's not going to date other people. Let's go. I said, oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. me too then. And he was like, okay, cool. And we dated for six mm-hmm. years. So it was just basically like we never talked about the future. We didn't talk, we didn't calendarize. You know what I'm saying? Like how you're like, oh, well, what are you doing next week? What are you doing next Christmas? What are you doing next 4th of July? You next know, Christmas. we just dated for now. We dated. I have plans for this we Christmas, but moment. next Christmas. Can I pencil <laughs> you in? That. 15 months <laughs> in the future? What did you? Exactly. But like a lot of people are like super anxious like that and they want to hold on really tightly and they want to, you know, squeeze onto this person and the more anxiously attached one gets, the more avoidant mm. the other gets. So if you can both live, and this is really hard to do, if you can both date in the moment and focus on each other in the moment, you can see it just works. Mm. And that sounds so stupid, but it just works because you know you're each other's person. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we do get ahead of ourselves. And then we start thinking about what does the future look like? And and does he like me? And does is he going to call me next week? And is he, are we going to go to dinner next Friday? And what about his parents? And do I get to meet? But don't think about any of that. Just go date to date. to. And look, it, I'm not saying you have to marry this person. I'm saying just date for now, right? So if it's three months, it's three months. You break up. If it's three weeks, it's three weeks. There's no timeline here. I'm not saying people are like, what do you mean? I'm not going to date just one person. What if it doesn't work? Then it doesn't work. Well, the answer to that for a lot of my clients would be time. I've lost time. And I feel like I, as a dating coach, am in a constant battle with my, al- yeah. along with my clients against time. <laughs> we are fighting time. <laughs> but it, ma- it causes us, like you talk in the book about, you know, freezing your eggs if you, if you are of a uh, childbearing yeah. age. And I, I feel it from my clients at that age. I feel it from my clients who are older. I feel it from my male clients, my female clients. There's like this ticking yeah. clock of like, if, if I don't know if this is going to be a thing or not, I can't commit to it. And I imagine for divorced singles, especially ones who have kids, that might even oh God, be yeah. more acute because then you're thinking about time that you have to take away from your family and, you know. Well, there is a caveat. You do have to say at the beginning, like you have to know this is, if you're doing this with like, if you're locking something in, you have to have the same end game. Okay. So before we go then for anyone that's in a relationship, married or otherwise, you say stay married. What is important? Like, how do you know what is figure outable and what is um, an empath in a relationship? Um, You know, obviously physically, emotionally abusive, uh, you're getting out. I mean, there's no way you're staying in that. And please, no, get, run, for, run for the hills. Do not stay in a relationship that is not serving you, right? When I say stay married, I mean, okay, let me put it this way. If your heart doesn't flutter when the garage door opens after 15 years, that is not a reason to leave your husband. I'm being silly, but I'm also being very serious, right? We both know that marriages, they evolve and relationships evolve and you go through stages and you have the honeymoon, you have attraction, you, and then you, be, you find respect and love and admiration and it changes. And after seven years, eight years, 15 years, you find that it's different. It's, your heart isn't, isn't going to flutter. But I guess it's like, do you want to throw all of that away 
for because your heart doesn't mm-hmm. flutter. Where you could get it to flutter again, maybe. Mm-hmm. You could right? It's not, it's not that I think people leap too quickly before they do the work. Fair. Does that make sense? Fair, yeah. And I think you I I mean, I still feel the flutter, but I work a lot at the oh, flutter. I love I that. Know. Yeah, you have I to work, work at the flutter. But look, all relationships take work. All of them. Divorce, happy divorce takes work. Happy marriage takes work. Happy friendships take work. They take work. Thanks so much for joining me, Jennifer. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Doing Relationships Right and check out her book, Midlife Priceless, a dating coach's guide to finally doing relationships right. And make sure you're subscribed to her podcast, Doing Relationships Right, and you're going to hear yours truly on a future episode. The links will all be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. How can I tell if I'm being too picky, unrealistic, or idealistic? (laughs) Stick around. Baby, you know I'm going to take care of you because you know I got your dating questions and relationship dilemmas answered. So let's get into the question of the week. This is an IG message from a lady named M. She says, Dear Demona, first off, I love, love, love your podcast. Ah, your energy is amazing. Thank you, M. I am loving the love. All right, here's the deal with M. She says, I've been divorced for 12 years, had off and on relationships that typically ended when guys cheated or were commitment phobes. I finally met someone and we've been dating for three months now. My question to you is when do we know if we're being too picky, unrealistic, or holding on to an idealized connection that may never materialize? On paper, my boyfriend is great. We enjoy each other's company, but already things are a bit mundane. The sex isn't great, but it's not the focus of our connection. That's where I've messed up in the past. Check. Good. Duly noted. I just really desire someone who stirs my soul. But that hasn't happened yet with someone who desires a committed relationship. That desire usually only happens with F-boys. M, first of all, kudos to you for having so much self-awareness to even ask this question. Like, how do we know if we're being too picky, unrealistic, or holding on to an idealized connection? Like, most people just barrel in ahead. Folks who, who aren't smart like you guys, who aren't listening to this podcast, they just barrel through and they're like, my needs, my needs, my needs. Wait, <laughs> what do I need? And what decisions am I making? What actions am I taking in support of my ultimate goal? So you know what you want, but you know right now things aren't feeling great. And I want you to know that all is not lost. So here's what I say, Em, and everyone else listening. You are responsible for what? Your own good time. So when I hear from someone, eh, we kind of lost the spark. I'm not really feeling, it's, I'm feeling, you use the word mundane. Things are feeling a bit mundane. I'm just going to turn it around and say, what are you doing yourself to make it less mundane? Just a question. It's just a question. Because a lot of times there's this expectation that we place on the other person. Like, well, they're not doing enough or they're not bringing the spark. But it becomes this this feedback loop where it's like, well, we're not bringing the spark. And then they're not bringing the spark. And then there's no spark. And the next thing you know, you're just like sitting on the couch, watching Love is Blind, binge, binging Netflix with no chill. You don't want Netflix with no chill. 
You got to have Netflix and you have to get the chill, right? I want that for you. So let's give you a little homework. And everybody, let's try this little experiment. Like if you feel like things are getting mundane, or even if you're new to dating someone, try something out of the box. Put a plan on the calendar that's that feels wild. Like the plan in itself should excite you. Like, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. I desperately want to go to, there's this like sky slide in Los Angeles where you go out on the 70th floor of a building and you slide down to the 69th, 69th floor. Um, I think it's 71st and 70th. But anyways, you can tell where my head's at. Anyways, it sounds thrilling to me. Now, my husband is afraid of heights. He's never going to go. It's never going to happen. I might be able to get my daughter to do it. But I get excited by that. So I might try like throwing that idea out there. What if, what if we did the sky slide? What if, like, what's something that sort of scares you, sort of is thrilling to you? That is something your partner might like. Again, the sky slide not going to work in my relationship. Maybe it'll work for yours. I offer that up to you. Maybe you want to just even go to like, go to an erotic store together or go to an amusement park together. Something that is going to amp up your adrenaline. Because a lot of times, like we forget our biological conditioning for a lot of these things. We need adrenaline. And that's what we're chasing. And a lot of times, like the commitment phobes and the cheaters that you were with, what did they give you? They gave you A, a hard time, and B, a dose of adrenaline where you were like, ooh, I'm in the chase. I zig and he zags. And this is this feels thrilling. And then we get into a comfortable, safe supportive relationship and we go, what happened? We literally, our brains are going through withdrawal of neurochemicals that we used to feel. And when we like, like we're addicted, right? We're addicted to the stuff. So what happens when an addict has withdrawal? They're like, they're craving it. They're like, I don't have this. And this feels not so comfortable to me. This feels mundane and boring because this that I'm in now is foreign to me. It doesn't give me the highs and the lows that I've been chasing for so long. And so you have to kind of retrain your brain and your body to see this comfort level as healthy, as appropriate, as the right level, because you don't want to be in a relationship anymore that has those peaks and valleys. We want to cultivate supportive, secure relationships, and it's going to feel different. But that doesn't mean that we can't still get our adrenaline elsewhere. And fun fact, if you do something like scary, thrilling with a partner and it boosts your adrenaline, you and the partner instantly become can become bonded. This is why like the tunnel of love and you go to the the haunted hayride together because those feelings that get triggered are sort of the same butterfly feelings that you feel when you fall in love. And if you do it in proximity to your partner, you may assign some of those feelings that you're having to them. And then you get to keep all the good stuff, em. You get to keep the comfort, you get to keep the 
trust and the connection and the amazing relationship that you've built over the last three months. And you get to have the adrenaline, but you don't get the crash. You don't get the cheating. You don't get the commitment phobe. You get a healthy relationship. And it sounds like you're ready for that. And it sounds like you may have that on your hands right now. And it's about settling into a different feeling in the relationship. And as I said in the first segment, maybe the sex isn't great yet. Let's have, I often talk about a relationship growth mindset. Let's have a sex growth mindset. Like, can we, can we do that? Can we start that revolution? I want you to have that. So seek out information to make the sex life more exciting too. Suggest it to your partner. If you have a safe and comfortable connection and clear communication, and you're like, babe, I want to try this thing. Like, I know it sounds kind of wild. I don't know what's going to happen. And they get into it. You may ignite something in them that you didn't even know was there. I'm super excited for you. And I cannot wait to hear an update on how that all works out. I hope you enjoyed episode 439 of Dates and Mates. It got a little hot in here, folks. <laughs> I love, love, I love making this show for you. And I love to know what you love about this show. So let me, let me just ask one small, small favor, because I love hearing your feedback. I love seeing your five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I love reading what you love about the show, like SD Runner, who said super helpful dating advice. Love Demona. Her advice is helpful, fun, and it works. Just started the dating apps and I feel prepared based on the info I got from the podcast. Thank you, Demona. Thank you, SD Runner. Thank all of you for listening. I'd love to read your review. I'd love to shout you out on the show. It's super quick, super easy, and it really helps us in healing more hearts and reaching more people. And you know, that's what I'm all about. I'd love to hear from you too. For Dear Demona, the DMs are open at Demona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, also on TikTok. I don't know why I keep saying that like, oh, as an addendum, but okay. I'm also, I am also on TikTok. Yay. <laughs> but you can call me too. You can text me at 424-246-6255 anytime, day or night. Leave a voice memo or leave me a text. And you know how we do. We will be back again next Tuesday with YouTuber and podcast host Chris Thompson. And he's going to be talking about bridging the gender divide. Until then, I wish you happy dating.